coming up on Plain Crazy Down Under. It's been many years in the planning and now it's a reality. The Pacific Air Show is about to take flight above Queensland's magnificent Gold Coast. We catch up with the show's CEO and director, Kevin Elliott. It's going to be an amazing air show, both in the air and on the ground, but we have a vision to expand this to become really a family-friendly outdoor lifestyle festival. And we have a yak with Jeff Bourbon as he prepares to showcase his amazing, unique Yak 110. Hey, see what I did there? It's actually the first time in the history of aviation that two airplanes have been brought together and then added a jet engine. It's looking like a great weekend of aviation action ahead as we get plane crazy. Well, hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This is, of course, the program where we like to look at Australia's aviation scene. I'm Steve Vischer. Joining me as always is my good friend Grant McHeron. And mate, uh, as we record this, uh, talking about the Australian aviation scene, there's a huge event coming up. That's right, mate. The Pacific Air Show's Gold Coast event is coming up, ooh, as we record this, in a week. It will be underway. Yes, and it's fantastic. And what's even more cool, Grant, is that you and I will be there. So I'm glad I've got the time off to get up there. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this. It's been something that's been in the wings for quite some time. And uh, obviously COVID, uh, you know, the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff did uh, put that back for a year. But uh, on the bright side, I guess, that's given them an, an additional year to plan for it. And uh, it's it's really shaping up to be a great event at a, at a, let's face it, a fantastic location too. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, let's get north to the Gold Coast where in winter, oh, look, it's only going to be 23 to 27 degrees centigrade, uh, dropping down to a chilly 13 overnight, which happens to be pretty close to the daily max down here in Melbourne. Well, of course, uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you may remember that I did mention that uh, at the end of the last episode, I was heading off to Thailand. And so we did spend two weeks over there between that episode and this one. And uh, it was a beautiful weather over there, I must say. But uh, coming back to Melbourne, the day we came back, the sun was out, but the wind was out too. And it was noticeably chilly. <laughs> so I'll be looking forward to getting up to the Gold Coast <laughs> for the weather alone. Thaw me out, baby. Thaw me out. <laughs> yes. Well, of course, the Pacific Air Show has been uh, running for many, many years and uh, over at uh, Huntington Beach in California, another wonderful location for those uh, who've ever been there. And uh, this is a real experiment for them, I think, uh, bringing it uh, not only overseas, but of course, uh, right across to the other side of the Pacific to uh, host it here in Australia. We're really looking forward to that. The CEO and the Director of Pacific Air Show is Kevin Elliott, and uh, he's been good enough to give us some time. He's on the line now. G'day, Kevin. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming and thanks for bringing the Pacific Air Show uh, down to Australia and uh, to the Gold Coast. Uh, what a wonderful thing. It's been a, a true labor of love for the team, myself. Uh, it's, been, it's been unlike anything we've ever done before professionally uh, and personally. It's been, it's been great. I um, feel like Australia has become my second home now. Well, you, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be welcome here as long as you keep bringing us fantastic air shows like this, I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> the Pacific Air Show has obviously been going for many years in the United States at uh, beautiful Huntington Beach there in California. What was the inspiration to bring it across uh, to another country and specifically to the Gold Coast? Well, it's an interesting story, actually, it, it, it almost by accident um, and ultimately not by accident at the same time. Ken and I, our air operations director, um, were kind of thinking about Huntington Beach and we would we would have these late night conversations where we would talk about, you know, all these great places where air shows could potentially be put on and we'd get on online and we'd go through Google Earth and we'd spend hours just going down the rabbit hole of what if. Um, and uh, we actually got a call to go out to Daytona Beach 
and to potentially look in Florida at doing a show. We flew to Daytona Beach to meet with them, and it's the home of Embry-Riddle, um, a really, you know, obviously great town, racing town, uh, great events, uh, history. And, you know, we, we, we saw the beach and we thought, oh, you know, this could work. You know, we, we had a few meetings. And then the next morning when we were set to leave, we were having breakfast at our hotel, which is right on the water, as most of them are in Daytona. And the waves were crashing over the patio and into the window of the restaurant. And all of the patio was being washed out to Cuba. And as we sat there, I told Ken, I said, Ken, I think if we had built the event set up on the beach, it'd be halfway to Cuba by now. And so we, we were headed to the airport, flying home, sort of feeling a little bit discouraged by, you know, all of this uh, energy that we had spent forth and, you know, ultimately sort of led us to the conclusion that it wasn't going to really work for us. And we said, there's got to be another place around the world. And I think at that point, I shouted out on the airplane at 30,000 feet, which is totally irony. What about Gold Coast? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, of course, we we went down the rabbit hole of Gold Coast, and uh, here we are, three and a half years later. Wow, three and a half years—that's a that's a heck of a lot of planning. And I mean, got to ask, uh, how's it been working with both local council, uh, federal, and also CASA Air Services? You're close to Gold Coast International. That would have raised a lot of eyebrows at our conservative friends at CASA. So, how's it all been putting it all together? Well, I think, you know, I'd like to think anyway, and I do, I do believe that, you know, Pacific Air Show, we're, you know, we're not some fly by night organization that's just coming in here deciding we want to throw our first air show, right? We operate the largest air show in the United States by attendance in some of the most complicated airspace in the world being there between Orange County Airport, Los Angeles International Airport, Long Beach Airport, lots of municipal airports. And, you know, there's a lot going on in that space to you know, work with the FAA and, you know, our respective agencies to bring them along on the journey that this can be done, right? It can, it can be done in a way where it's not disruptive. And it really does elevate the game of all of the agencies and all of the airports and all of the participants, right? Because airports love airplanes, you know, pilots love airplanes. And generally speaking, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And that's what we found. And I have to tell you that the spirit of CASA and air services have really reflected that experience in the United States. And, and it's it's been something that we've been really, really pleased to be a part of here. And obviously, things are slightly different. We understand that there's a, you know, it's an intense regulatory environment. But um, everybody we've encountered has said, yeah, we're going to make this work. Uh, we're going to we're going to work with you to make it happen, including the Gold Coast Airport, um, as who has been a tremendous um, player uh, since the very beginning. A little anecdote, one of our very first calls three and a half years ago was to the cab manager, Scott Stevens, at Gold Coast Airport. And uh, Ken had actually called him and said, yeah, I'm Ken Ashmore. I'm with the Air Pacific Air Show over in Huntington Beach, California, if you've heard of it. And he says, I've heard of it. I was there last year. It's awesome. <laughs> and so it was right then and there that Scott Stevens became a big supporter and, you know, ultimately a friend and advisor in the process. So um, literally has not been one person that we have come across um, encouraging and supportive. Because one of the really unique aspects of this uh, this display, of course, is that it's not being held at an airport, which is traditionally, of course, air shows would be held at airports, which is great for pilots and people who are already converted. But one of the things we want to do, of course, is showcase aviation to a more wider audience. And I, I really think that having it in a, a location like this or at Huntington Beach, that's a great opportunity to do exactly that. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You just hit the the nail on the head, Steve. The the whole premise behind Pacific Air Show, right? Our tagline is redefining the air show experience. And people say, you know, what does that mean? 
And for me, it means we're bringing the air show to the people rather than asking the people to go to the air show. Um, and that is the genius of, of what we're doing. And, and frankly, this air show is going to appeal to a very, very broad, non-endemic audience to aviation. These will be people you know, that don't know the difference between uh, one aircraft type or another aircraft type. They're just there to hang out with their friends, their family, be on the beach, you know, enjoy the hospitality, enjoy the the, the great sun and, a, you know, I guess a, uh, this time of year on the Gold Coast. And, and, and really, you know, they'll learn over the course of many years, right? You'll have uh, people who come back and say, oh, this jet's my favorite or that performer's my favorite or gosh, we want to go back and see that Yak 110 thing. I can't believe they glued two airplanes together. <laughs> And, uh, and that's what's cool about it, right? It's like my mom is as into Pacific Air Show as I am, and I'm an airplane nut. And so that tells you all you need to know. So you, you, the, as you said, the, it's reaching out to people in a location where they already are or uh, it's easy to get to. And heck, for m those of us down south here in Melbourne, it's going to be great to get to somewhere where it's above 15 degrees Celsius every day and you can actually see the sun. <laughs> but um, some questions for you, though, it was you mentioned that we've got all these aircraft. We're going to have Super Hornets. We're going to have all sorts of aircraft from the US, Australia, etc. But what's happening on the ground beyond watching the aircraft doing their flights and so on? Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're you know, I want to um, sort of like preface by saying, and I think we're in the first iteration of what this event will be. Right? Obviously, we've had several years to develop it and expand it, but in this first year, we're going to achieve the twenty percent solution. It's going to be an amazing air show. Um, both in the air and on the ground, but we have a vision to expand this to become really a family-friendly outdoor lifestyle festival, right? Where there's pop culture and all kinds of different hospitality and great food and all of those things along the Esplanade, which we will have all of that this year, including, you know, DJs and all kinds of different stuff going on down there. But, um, you know, in the future, you know, we we intend to continue to add those elements. So, you know, when you purchase a ticket, because people will say, well, why purchase a ticket to an air show when I can just, you know, look from my balcony and watch for free? And the answer is, is that number one, being at show center on the beach, as close as you can possibly be, is the best seat in the house. You may have a department, but it's not the same as being right there on the ground. The second thing is, is that we've got this unbelievable massive sound system, not just your typical air show sound system where you have a speaker on a pole. We're talking concert grade sound system and an unbelievable lineup of music and announcements and things that are going on to tell you what the heck is going on in front of you. And that is a huge component of it. And then you add to that all the hospitality, the food, the, the drinks, you know, all of that on top of it. It just becomes basically a party-like atmosphere. It's unlike anything you've ever been to. And for your listeners that have been to 100 air shows and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we've done that. We've been there. We've done that. I can tell you I was one of those people that went to the Pacific Air Show in Huntington Beach the first year. And I saw and I went, this is absolutely incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. And, um, and I think a lot of the visitors will have that experience and hopefully leave and, and be our brand ambassadors out there to the general public to say, this is something you don't want to miss. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned, of course, that you're uh, an aviation uh, fan like we all are here at Plane Crazy Down Under. Can you tell us a bit about your aviation background and uh, where that all began? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, interestingly, uh, grew up flying remote control airplanes with my father. Uh, of course, we're all good aviation fanatics start in the garage. <laughs> As my mom said, all my friends were playing G.I. Joe and I was in the garage gluing my fingers together. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was that was what I love to do. And uh, so my aviation, my love for aviation really um, 
grew out of my love for remote control airplanes, building, flying, actually flying competitively for Team USA. Um, and um, my mom called me plane brain my entire childhood. So, you know, really, really growing up in that environment, uh, I think solidified it for me. And then, of course, you know, getting a little older, going to high school, going to college, getting a job that really interferes with your uh, remote control uh, airplane habit. Um, and, uh, you know, finally, uh, finding my way to founding my company in 20, 2006, um, which is a event production company called Code 4 based in, in Huntington Beach, and producing big events, right, growing my company over the last 16, 17 years, uh, to being one of the most respected event production companies in the United States working on massive projects and then just happening to have Ken Ashmore uh, decide, hey, let's throw an air show in Huntington Beach. I go down to the air show with my wife and I watch this air show from the beach and I think, this is truly spectacular. I have never seen this many people in one place before in my life. I should reach out and see if they need some help. And uh, it was at that moment my wife reminded me uh, or rather asked me, you know, why I have to ruin everything? Why I can't just take a day <laughs> off and enjoy something without having to turn it into a business opportunity? And so I just want to say, sorry, honey, uh, but uh, she's enjoying Australia at this point. Uh, so there we are. You know, we start, we, we, I got involved with the air show um, and became an investor and ultimately acquired the show in 2018 and have grown it ever since. So it was a interesting opportunity to basically marry my passion with my profession all these years later. During your visits to Australia here, have you had opportunities to, you know, really um, get yourself uh, well known amongst the airshow community here? I mean, obviously, it's a much smaller community here, but uh, also uh, it doesn't lack any enthusiasm, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I would like to think so. I mean, we've certainly done our best. I mean, we've gone to uh, Avalon and Wings Over Illawarra and tried to meet. And, and, and over that time, you know, I think one of the first letters of support that we received was from, you know, Mark Awad, who at the time was the president of the Australian Warbirds Association, who by coincidence was high school friends with a friend of mine from Huntington Beach, because that's where Mark's from. So it's really a small world, right? I mean, aviation, it's a big planet, but ultimately the aviation community is a small world. As as Grant was saying, you know, he's done work with our announcer, Matt Jolly, who lives a world away. But, you know, you guys with the, uh, you know, age of the internet are just, you know, a click away, really. And so we're hoping that a rising tide lifts all boats. This is not designed to in any way uh, take anything away and run back to America with it or anything like that. This is an opportunity for us to add to the aviation community and the rich heritage that's here in Australia and, you know, try to level up the airshow game, um, add where we can, um, be a good contributor. That's that. Those are our goals, right? I mean, money in the aviation business is, if that's your primary goal, you probably should find a different business, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, to be honest sure. with you, this is partially fun for us, um, as sick as that sounds. Um, our objective is not you know, to come in and, and make a bunch of money. We just want to, we want to elevate the game. And ultimately, you know, hopefully, you know, we can build something that's commercially viable. Um, and that's, that's the hope. So you've done Huntington Beach, of course, you've got Gold Coast. Are there any other international cities that you're talking to or that have approached you and potential for expanding this to other parts of the world that you're allowed to tell us about? Yeah, definitely. Um, I won't reference anybody in specific, but I will say that there's been many, uh, many countries that have reached out to us, either, um, you know, people that are specifically with the government or potentially folks that are, you know, represent major events 
uh, elements of those of those groups to discuss the possibility of attracting a, an event like Pacific Air Show. And our our vision now is to really expand this event to several key destinations around the world. Um, right, that can support it. It's it's not every city that can support an event like this. Um, as Ken and I will attest on our late nights on Google Earth, you know, you need major events infrastructure, you need airports, you need airplanes, you need a, a rich aviation heritage, a great community that can rally behind something like this. Because as neat as we are, it takes hundreds of people all contributing to be able to make this happen. Um, and it's all about, as you mentioned, going around, building those relationships, rallying that support and having people in the aviation community support the vision. And, and that's that's what we've done here in Australia. And I think after this first event, you know, I think people will begin to take even more notice. I, I think what we saw in Huntington Beach was a half a million people come to the beach over three days and have a great time. Right. And they left and they all told their friends. And the next year they had a million people show up to the beach. Wow. And so, you know, if we get 150,000 people to come to the Gold Coast that have never experienced this type of event before and they have a good time and they go back and tell their friends, hey, this is awesome. It's a great time of year to go to the Gold Coast. We should you should definitely come. Don't miss it. I think we could see a big, big influx of, of visitors this time. And I will add I know I'm talking a lot, but I will add one more bit here, which is that you know there tends to be a lot of events i think that overhype themselves and and we were really cautious to try to not do that right people will say well we haven't heard much about it where's your marketing this and that and the marketing we've spent you know well over a million dollars on marketing right so so people know about the event but we didn't want to overhype it to the point where you know gold coast residents and the members of southeast queensland freak out and take off and don't come to the event that's not the objective right we want the local community to love this as much as we want interstate and out-of-region visitation. Well, what are you most excited about bringing to the audience with this event? What do, what do you think is going to be the most pop the rocks, you know, get them really excited kind of thing? Well, I think, honestly, the biggest change that we're going to be bringing in, the most exciting part is the tempo, right? Because it's just one thing after the next. I mean, as an example, we have 48 aircraft in our air show this year, right? That's not a insignificant amount of aircraft to be launching from remote airports and having hit an exact time in a TRA. Um, so it's it's a really uh, well-orchestrated thing. We've got three air bosses, or as you guys call them, ringmasters that are coordinating all of that as, for, as an example. Um, it, it's quite, quite a feat. But I think the tempo is going to be something that hasn't been seen before. Um, you know, the overall experience at the beach Obviously, you know, the, the sort of um, elephant in the room is we are on an island, right? And we have tried to bring as much as we can to this initial edition of the air show. Um, our team is probably the best in the business when it comes to, you know, wrangling support. We are a U.S. company. We run the largest air show in the United States. So we've worked hard to try to build those commitments. Um, and I think that over the over the years, you'll see more and more fast jets and the more and more military assets realizing, hey, this is something we want to go to year in and year out. Um, but then, you know, to put a simple answer to it, it's clearly the Yak 110, right? I mean, let's face it. That is the uh, that's the one word answer to your question. It's uh, certainly not an aircraft that you would normally see in skies in this part of the world, Kevin, I can tell you. Uh, we, we spoke a lot about, uh, obviously, the upcoming Gold Coast event, but uh, we should mention here, too, that the U.S. event at Huntington Beach, is, is it's really not that far away either. Yeah, we, we've made an agreement with our team that we wouldn't talk about it, um, just at least until Gold Coast was over so we don't psych ourselves out. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's coming up. 
uh, here at the end of September, and uh, we're really excited about that. I can tell you if you're going to deciding you want to do want to do the Pacific Air Show circuit in 2023, Pacific Air Show Huntington Beach is going to be one not to miss. It is an absolute banger in terms of the lineup. Um, it's it's just incredible. Um, so. You know, we we are we are really excited about Huntington Beach. We're obviously really excited about finally launching Gold Coast. You know, this entire event was originally supposed to launch in 2022, but unfortunately, due to COVID, we ended up pushing it back a year, and and that ultimately was the right decision um, given access to the country and recovery and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's finally our first year where we're going to be able to say we got two on the board, and uh, sky's the limit from there. Well, Kevin, we want to thank you uh, so much for uh, spending some time with us and uh, having this chat with our audience. And we want to thank you also for bringing this wonderful event to the Gold Coast. We're really looking forward to getting up there. And uh, we certainly hope that we can have a chat with you again uh, once it's all said and done. Yeah, let's do that. And I appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody coming out to check it out. And uh, like I said, you know, we're here for the long haul. Our team is, uh, you know, sort of a what you see is what you get kind of people. And, you know, we're in it for all the right reasons and uh, appreciate the community supporting us. And um, anything we can do, we're uh, we're here. Thank you guys very much for getting them getting the word out. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, folks, uh, be sure to check out the uh, Pacific Air Show's uh, social media feeds for all the details on what's going on and when. And of course, uh, for ticketing information. Now, we heard Kevin there talking a lot about the Yak-110, which uh, will be performing at this year's show on the Gold Coast. But uh, well, what exactly is a Yak-110? Well, we'll have all the answers to that on the other side of the break, so stick with us as Playing Crazy Down Under continues. I'm Matt Hall. Hi, I'm Matt Hall. I'm Matt Hall. No, I'm Matt Hall. No, I'm Matt Hall. Everyone wants to be Australia's champion Red Bull Air Race pilot, and now you can own a piece of Matt Hall memorabilia. Polos, T-shirts and caps for all shapes and sizes can be found at matthallracing.com. Just go to the online store and you too can be in the loop. Hello, I'm Matt Hall. Keeping up to date with the latest news is a huge part of our daily lives. Now you can have news on demand with the Australian Independent Radio News app. News and sport in your pocket whenever you want it. Wherever you are in the world, if you call Australia home, you can stay in touch with the Air News app. Download it now for news on the go. This is Air News. 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 Australian Independent Radio News. So the new GE Aviation GE9X engines they're building for the new 777X have a 10%... Carl, Carl, what on earth are you on about? It's like a different language. Here at the Plane Talking UK studios, we like to do things a little differently. If you've got a keen interest in aviation, join us each week where we'll give you an in-depth rundown of all the weekly news from around the world with a focus on what matters to us here in the UK. With regular interviews from people living and working in the industry, we'll take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest air shows, airports and airlines from across the globe. To find our podcast, take yourself to www.plaintalkinguk.com, look for us on iTunes, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. The Plane Talking UK podcast, the show where we talk plain English made by a passenger for anyone. Uh, 
what a magnificent sound. You're listening to Plane Crazy Down Under, the show where we talk aviation. And uh, if you're a bit of an aircraft enthusiast, you might be listening to that wonderful sound and thinking, you know what, that sounds a bit like a yak engine. But hang on, is that two yak engines? Hang on again, perhaps, is that a a turbine engine I can hear in the middle of all that? Well, you'd be right on all counts, and uh, it is in fact the wonderful sound made by the very unique Yak-110 aircraft. That aircraft will be on display at the Pacific Air Show on the Gold Coast. We're really looking forward to seeing it. The pilot and owner of the Yak-110 is Jeff Bourbon. He joins us on the line now. G'day, Jeff. Hey, good day. How's it going? Oh, very well. Welcome to Australia. Thank you. Hey, I'm super happy to be here at the uh, Gold Coast Surfers uh, Paradise here. It's um, just a, an amazing feeling. Uh, everyone here has been so helpful in getting their plane ready. We uh, had it come into uh, Archer Field where Ben Anderson, my uh, mechanic, put their plane together. And then we moved it down here to Southport. And we're rocking now. That sounds awesome. Now, let's step back just a tad. You've got the most amazing aircraft I've ever seen back at Oshkosh 2019 and heard. And uh, you've also like doing a lot of aerobatics, but you've, your, your day job is like flying airliners, quite different across there. How did you get into flying? How long have you been flying? And what got you into doing aerobatics and air shows? Well, the, um, the aviation goes uh, pretty deep for me. My, my dad was a pilot, commercial pilot not for a living, but had the license. And uh, he um, got me started with building and flying model airplanes from a very young age. And we went to, uh, well, I grew up in Minnesota, so Oshkosh was just next door. So when I was uh, seven years old was my first experience into Oshkosh. And um, when I saw the likes of uh, Leo Lonslager and Charlie Hillard and uh, Art Scholl especially, I mean, it's like, wait a minute, I've been flying these model airplanes and I can see that happening. But now there's somebody inside of the airplane. Is this for real? I, I, I was just blown away at a very young age. And I knew then it was like, that is what I want to do uh, in okay. my life. So I'm going to throw a question at you because many I've had the situation of going from the cockpit to a remote control aircraft. And that bit about, you know, like trying to make it turn left when it's coming towards me and I've got to move it right. And all. <laughs> How did you go with going from like watching the aircraft and flying it to actually being in the cockpit and flying it? It was interesting because, you know, I, I, I grew up flying a lot of aerobatics with model airplanes. And then I went to the school at University of North Dakota in Grand Forks, North Dakota through their aviation program. And they also had a aerobatic course there. At the time, they were flying Cap 10Bs. And mm-hmm. I went to my first... Um, lesson and we had talked about all the the contents of the course like this is going to be you know loops and rolls and hammerheads and cubins and we're going to have all these things and um i said okay well let me i want to just kind of fly through what i know from flying radio controlled airplanes and so he he let me go and i flew the entire course on my first go pretty much in a, a sequence based on my experience flying model airplanes. So the, the translation was really good. The only thing that really kind of got a little messed up was the hammerhead as you, as you kick the left rudder um, in a model. You don't need to use so much outside aileron like you will in a, in a full-size airplane. So we kind of torqued off in the hammerhead, and we fixed that you know, on the next one. But the, the translation between models and airplanes, um, the full-size, and, and even vice versa, except for when it's coming at you, like you said, it's backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a very good translation between the two. 
and it didn't cause you like the actual g forces of being in the aircraft and having your stomach go everywhere and the world spin around you didn't cause too much distraction i, I you know for me it, it it wasn't but my my flight instructor by the time we were done with that you know like six or seven figures that we flew he's like okay that's good enough for me because <laughs> uh, it was our first in, in north dakota you can imagine it's very very cold there in the uh winter time when we were flying and so uh by the time we got to flying the aerobatic course uh he had been off for a long time flying aerobatics and so he lasted only about five minutes and then we had to go back and the next lesson he did you know maybe 10 minutes and by the third one he was all back up to speed again but it took him a, a minute to uh, to get dialed in again. He'd built up his vitamin G once again. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeff, can you describe the 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 Yak-110, a very unique aircraft, or is it two aircraft? That'd be something just to solve for me. But uh, And then perhaps tell us what inspired you to uh, to create this this really unique aircraft. The uh, Yeah, the Yak-110, it's actually the first time in the history of aviation that two airplanes have been brought together and then added a jet engine. So it's that unique. And, you know, I, I had no um, vision of really having a Yak-55 even back in the day, but I was uh, on the aerobatic team. I just qualified for my first advanced team in 2003 and was going to use the Russian Yak-55 at the World Championships in Sweden. So I was looking for a Yak to, to use, and that's how I found Chad Barty in the blue Yak. The blue side of the 110 was owned by Chad, and I called him. I said, Hey, I'd like to, you know, use your airplane, um, to get ready for the contest. But he was out in Texas. It was hard to get to. And, you know, even though I flew his airplane a few times, it was, uh, not working out. I wasn't practicing enough. I wanted to have more. So I, I found a, the red airplane for sale and I bought it. And, um, and I kept the airplane all through my aviation career, um, aerobatic career, when I was moving to an extra and some other airplanes along the way. I kept it because I knew there was going to be a good repurpose of this airplane. It's so cool. You know, the radial engine, it sounds great. It's a big airplane. It looks good. And so I, I ended up keeping the airplane, even though I wasn't flying it much. But I did see it at a contest with uh, one of my partners flying the airplane and it was sitting on the ground by another Yak-55 in a way that from a distance, it looked like one airplane. And yep. I said, okay, I've got an idea now. <laughs> <laughs> if I, 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 that was about 2009. I'm like, all right, now it's just a matter of how, how do we make that happen, right? So uh, I met uh, Del Caller in 2013 when John hired him, John Klatt hired him to um, build the uh, jet walkup, which you, you've probably seen that. Too. Oh yeah, I flew that for the first three years. But d that's an airplane that Dell built also. In in addition to the Yak One Ten, and we um, we during that time when we were both working for John, we kept discussing this idea of the Yak One Ten, and and so we had a lot of uh, years to to go over all the details. And we, we pretty much had it all built in our heads including um, artist renderings of what it would look like and things like this. So um, we, uh, well, a lot of people say, well, that must have been a crazy night at the bar. And you know, we, say, <laughs> uh, we say, actually, it was years of beers. <laughs> so Some great hangar flying sessions, I'll bet. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had, we had done a lot of uh, thought process. And then, um, you know, when it came time, to, it's like, man, this idea is out. We need, we need to make it happen. 
And I said, let me, uh, let me call Chad and just see, you know, and I said, I said, okay, Chad, here's what I want to do. I called him up this September of 2016. I said, I want to take your old airplane and my Yak-55, I want to combine it together to make one and then put a jet engine on it. <laughs> and he's like, you're out of your mind. I said, well, maybe, but it's going to work. We've been, we've been talking about this for a long time. It's going to work. And he's like, well, let me, let me think on it. And he went to happy hour with his buds and he came back on the phone later that night. He called me at like eight o'clock at night. And he said, man, I am totally in. Let's do this. <laughs> and so from that point, it was literally not even a month later that we had bought my partners out of my airplane. We, we got, um, we found Chad's airplane out on the East Coast. Uh, John wasn't selling the airplane, but we told him what we're doing. And he said, okay, yeah, that's a good enough cause. Let's <laughs> do this. And so we took both airplanes to uh, Boise, Idaho at Dell's place. And um, that was, like I said, 30 days after that phone call with Chad. And then it was 13 months after that that we flew the airplane for the first time. So it went pretty quick once we finally got... Um, some finances behind the program and um, an engineer to help with the, um, with the design of that center section, we were uh, full speed ahead. Now it's got a really, really, really long tail on that turbine engine. So you can see that it looks like a turbo fan at the front and then you've got that really long jet pipe. Is that just to keep heat away from the horizontal stabilizer between the two fuselages or does that actually give you any other benefits? There's a multifunction there, but yes, uh, what you have to do is you got to get all the, the hot air out past the horizontal um, because otherwise it'd be right in line. And the other thing is if you look closely and you can see it in the jet walk more where you have the bend in the pipe. If you look closely, even at the Yak 110, there is a slight bend in the pipe. And what that is, is um, when you have an action and the opposite reaction, mm -hmm. so the reaction of the thrust goes right to the center of gravity of the Yak 110. So that allows me when I push the jet power full, it doesn't pitch up. Mm -hmm. And when I mm -hmm. pull it back, it doesn't pitch down. There's no pitch change because the thrust reaction goes right to the center of gravity. So um, that's probably more of a reason. I mean, you could put heat shields and stuff like that on there, but to get the, the thing so it doesn't pitch during a uh, power change is the important part of that. And did you figure that out on, on the ground or was that figured out during some flight testing? That was smart people that figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, engineers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was uh, Eddie, Eddie Sauerman. He's the guy that was in charge of, uh, of all that. And you know, we got it really close the first time. We ended up building a second uh, jet mount um, just to be able to take out some weight that I had put in the tail. So we, we moved the, um, we moved the, the jet in just a little bit uh, after we flew it for a while. So, but yeah, they, they nailed it really. I mean, the, the jet pipe, all that stuff was just right on it. In fact, after the Len Fox was done with his first test flight, he, he came to me and he said, man, you really have something here. And, and he said, and he said, there's nothing we need to do. He did two flights. I did the third. He did the, the fourth flight and signed off the entire flight test program. Wow. Um, and the only thing we did to the airplane was adjust the, the bendable uh, aileron trim tab. Oh, wow. That was the only thing we changed <laughs> on the airplane, just to level That's up. That's impressive. The, yeah, it was 
I just kind of wonder, Jeff. Um, I just kind of wonder from a pilot perspective if if something did go wrong. I mean, <laughs> how's its asymmetric performance? If you lost one of those Yak engines, or if you got so much thrust there, it doesn't kind of sort of matter too much. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter to, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> they, uh, the uh, the airplane, you know, those engines are so close together compared to. I mean, imagine a twin Cessna. Okay, you have the engines are farther apart, and the props are small with less power. And you look straight behind the engine, there's no rudder. So in the Yak-110, you have all that eight-foot diameter prop wash going right over the horizontal, right over the vertical fin and the elevator rudder. You have a lot of control with the airplane. In fact, in the, in the notes from the test pilot, under a blue line speed um, and under critical engine, it says N-A. Uh, <laughs> oh, <wow>. you, can, <laughs> you can run the, the, the critical engine, the blue side is technically critical because the way the props turn um you can put that engine not at feather but at full um windmilling propeller full power on the left side and still fly the airplane well below the stall speed um yeah so it's uh, very very uh um very cool in fact one of our first shows um dell dell was at the show and I flew the entire show, and when I landed, he said, hey, you know, the, the, uh, the smoke system on the right engine is not working. And I said, well, in fact, the smoke system's working. The engine was not running for pretty much <laughs> that entire flight um, because we had a blocked uh, uh, fuel vent. So I flew the entire show, and even Dell didn't know that I didn't have an engine running uh, for that 10-minute <laughs> that performance. Do you take off and land on the jet? Uh, the jet's running when I take off and depend, like here at Southport, they're very noise sensitive. So yesterday was my first flight uh, out of here and the jet is running, but it was just at idle. So when I take off, you can't, I'm not making a lot of noise. I'm trying to be very noise sensitive, but uh, it's, a, it's a lot more fun when you take off with the jet because <laughs> 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 it, it does definitely make a lot of noise. It's a Lear 24 jet engine that's you know, quite noisy. Oh, right. Yeah. And there's two cockpits, of course. Do you have a preference from which you fly from or can you operate it from, from either one or can you take passengers? Uh, we, we took all the controls out of the, the blue side, so I fly it from the red side. Um, when we first flew the airplane, we, if you look at early photos of the airplane, you'll notice that the horizontal stabilizers are full length all the way out um, on the outsides. And we left it like that. We left all the controls in place for the right side. In case it didn't work, we wanted to be able to take the center section out, put the wings back on, and sell the airplanes. And we, because we didn't, we didn't you know, modify the airplane such that it couldn't just be turned back into a single airplane. Um, after the the test flying and 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 we knew that it was going to work, then we cut the horizontal stabilizers, um, and, and so now it can no longer be turned back into a um, you know two separate airplanes. But what's it like to actually do aerobatics and especially aileron rolls and all that from the left side or or the right side, but not in line with the center line like you are in most aerobatic aircraft? Yeah, so. We, yeah, so we like I said, we eventually took the controls out of uh, the right side in case there was a passenger over there. And three people have been in the airplane with me, um, Ben, Chad, and uh, Dell, all involved with the build. And one of the most impressive things when you put someone over in that cockpit, just like when I'm in this side, like you say, when you're doing an aileron roll, you're going around in a circle, like a washing machine. 
you're not you're not in the center like all my aerobatic experience so you're sitting right in the center of the fuselage making you know small um physically making a small radius uh whereas in the uh yeah the yuck 110 you throw the ailerons over and when i first started doing aerobatics i would roll to the left and the strangest feeling because you come out of the seat and <laughs> so you, you you're doing an aileron roll yet you're experiencing negative g's uh, because you you imagine you're sitting on the left side you put left aileron and you come out of the seat so you'll notice when i fly the airplane i do most of the rolls to the right because for whatever reason having a little positive g in the airplane versus a negative g is it just makes more sense in your head so um but yeah there's a lot of that uh, took some time to get uh, to reprogram we call it seat of the pants where your feet are down there just doing rudder stuff you don't really think about it you know like when i fly the the 330 sc in competition for example and that airplane's rolling at over 500 degrees per second you don't really have time to think about what your feet are doing on the pedals they just you've programmed it so much that they're just doing what needs to be done and then you take that and translate that into the yak and the seat of the pants was just crazy. I ended up having to get to a point where I was basically putting my feet flat on the floor and trying to do rolls and getting the seat of the pants reprogrammed for the Yak 110. That's really different. That was probably the most complicated part about learning to fly the Yak. And shifting back and forth, it just happens like like for me, going from left side drive to right side drive as I travel around the place. Right. You just change. You do. And it's, uh, you know, that's like, well, what rudder do you use? Uh, well, you use whatever is required, right? <laughs> you know, if you're going down a runway and it's going to the left, you put right rudder. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. So, you know, the instinct part of it is still the same, but the seat of the pants flying was, was quite yeah. a bit different. How did you go with the approval process? Uh, once you'd constructed the airplane, you're out there testing it. Um, how did, I guess, the FAA in your case, I mean, how did they view the aircraft? Was it a, was it a, a, a very involved process, a long process? Uh, it took about as long to do the FAA process as it did to build the airplane. Right. So um, very extensive. I mean, part, I mean, part of that, to be fair, was their plane was being built in Boise, Idaho. So we had to go through that local office to then get assigned to a MIDO office in Seattle. Well, we wanted to use a DAR that was in Wyoming, and that person was assigned to a Phoenix office. So then we had to have it transferred down to the Phoenix office. And then we finally got our DAR assigned. That took about six months. Once the DAR got there, the airplane had been put together and the controls were hooked up. And he came and looked at the airplane and he sat there for like 10 minutes, looking it over and moving the controls. And then he came and looked at us and scratching his head and he says where is the complicated stuff it's it's like it's so simple we just tied the elevators all together the aileron push tubes all we did was an idler in the center section and then and then one more tube and right to the controls of the um the right side aileron system nothing there and we just ran push pull cables from this set of rudder pedals to that set of rudder pedals that controlled the rudder like nothing was complicated and so he was really impressed and of course the yak 55 to begin with is a well-engineered airplane it's built by the yak lev design bureau so you're not going from a garage built kind of airplane you you're going from a military built airplane 
combine it together with a very well engineered uh, center section, which we had all the, the, the data from the stress analysis and all this stuff that you know, went into that center section. And he was quite impressed. And um, when he made his second visit to the airport, it was uh, to give us an airworthiness certificate. And at that point, you know, once we had checked all the boxes and everything was set to go, he had no, no issues giving us an airworthiness certificate. You're flying here at Surfers Paradise. You've already mentioned launching out of Southport, the noise sensitive. There's a lot of horses in the area. Everyone's got their noise sensitivity briefings and watch out for these. But what challenges do you have at Surfers given the proximity of the Gold Coast International Airport, the beach, the crowds? It's not like a normal at an airport kind of display. How does it go? You know what's cool is, you know, Kevin Elliott is a rock star when it comes to what he's doing with Pacific Air Show. And, you know, Huntington Beach is a surfer's paradise also. Mm. And so, you know, we're, you know, we're going from flying with the sun out to the west to here flying with the sun to the, to the west, but you're looking out the ocean. At, you know, we've, we've just crossed the Pacific, but it's almost exactly the same, except for here. It's so cool when you get to fly <laughs> next to the skyscrapers. We don't really have that at Huntington Beach, but I've I've done that at a, at a few shows where you're flying aerobatics and there's a large building right there. It's it's pretty um, impressive. Yeah, no, the, uh, the you can do a VFR corridor kind of flight along the beach, and you're looking up at the buildings and things uh-huh. like that. It's it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, I've I've passed down there a couple times just to go make some noise uh, along the beach. It's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be a great venue. Um, I'm super excited to see just a ton of people on that beach watching their show. It's going to be an awesome week. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. We've really enjoyed speaking to you, and we're really looking forward to watching you fly at the Pacific Air Show on the Gold Coast. And, of course, if people want to find out more about you and your airplane, they can look that up at yak110.com. Yes, sir. Yeah, check us out. Fantastic. Jeff Bourbon, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Awesome, guys. And as we let uh, Jeff head off there to, I uh, guess, prepare for the uh, the great weekend of action, Grant, uh, what a unique aircraft. Uh, uh, just looking at some of the videos of it, it's, it's just such a cool thing. I mean, uh, imagine doing that. Imagine trying to put that sort of stuff together here. That might have been uh, qu- quite a process, <laughs> I imagine, with the authorities. and Yeah, and, and the you want to do what and so on. Yeah. But, uh, hey, look, you know, I, I saw it at Oshkosh 2019, and it was amazing to see and hear then, and I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing it with the backdrop of the bustle of surfers' paradise and the beach and the waves and everything all around us as we're, we're standing there. And, of course, folks, uh, you want to find out more information about that and perhaps buy some tickets, you can find that at uh, Pacific Air Show Oz, as in AUS, dot com. Really encourage you to do that. And, of course, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Grant and I will be there. So uh, keep an eye out for us and keep an ear out for us. You never know where you might see or hear us, Grant, while we're there. I know, right? And, of course, don't forget to use contact at playingcrazydownunder.com to let us know if you're going to be there or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. And, of course, you know what happens, Grant, when uh, people do that sort of stuff. This guy comes down the street. Uh, he's a ledge. You know, it's always nice when he brings us listener mail and not, you know, bills and you know council rates and stuff like that. I know, I know. Oh, Grant, look, we... I've even printed this one out, see? Uh, that's not, that's not even a simulated sound effect. Uh, it's, it's real paper. You've actually gone and printed it out. I it's am shocked. Real, I mean, honest get with to the paperless paper. office, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a very old-fashioned person. I don't even like glass cockpits, Grant. You know that. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I can't really talk because I, I do have a tablet when I fly a balloon. 
And I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the calm my nerves tablet either. <laughs> I was going to say, what type of tablet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, 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 no. It's the. Uh, it's. I'd it's, have to it's take a lot of tablets tablet. to go up in a balloon, as uh, many of our listeners would know. Grant, uh, you would be on the floor of the basket, completely knocked out, if you even got up that early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that might be a strategy for you. Anyway, we'll discuss that at the next meeting. Anyhow, oh. Grant, uh, we've got an email here from our old mate Mick from the Frankston Line. Although, as I note here, he's no longer of the Frankston Line, Grant. No, it's Mick, formerly of the Frankston line, or the Frangart line, as we like to say. But, uh, yeah, Mick, uh, well, he moved out of Melbourne, went to out near Sail and uh, to the east and coastal and all that, out near the um, the RAF base at East Sail. And then he is now out in the boonies of South Australia with some wonderful views that he keeps sending us photos of just to – oh, I'm sorry, is that your knife? It's, uh-huh. it's quite lovely scenery out there. Now, of course, we call it Mick from the Frankston line because uh, Mick used to catch trains on the Frankston line. And for those of you who don't know, well, I actually uh, do have a bit of a day job. Uh, that's you know, I'm, I'm not always in this studio, Grant. Sometimes I have to go out and make an honest living, and uh, I do that by driving trains. So I've probably I- driven Mick several million times up and down that line back in the day. <laughs> yes, but only when you get unchained from the recording desk and you don't have volume seven of the honey-do list from Kathy. <laughs> That's exactly right. Anyway, uh, Mick just uh, wrote in to say that he really enjoyed the uh, interview with Terry Daniel, or as he calls it, old mate uh, traffic report. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's good. It was a, that was a great episode with Terry. It was great to catch up with him, and uh, that was a really enjoyable chat. So glad to hear from you, Mick, and uh, thanks for taking the time to write in for us. And, uh, well, you'll have to come back here to Melbourne and have another ride on the train, I suppose. Well, there's always that. He also suggested that, uh, you know, he reckons I should do a static line jump, not a tandem. Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, and uh, also suggested that we should go down to RSLs and have lunch and look for the folks who used to fly and maybe get some stories that way. I think that's probably an idea and, you know, could also contribute to me having a few beers and a and a par- chicken parma. Well, well, certainly living at large there, mate. Or, or depending on where you're around the world, it's some, some people in, in Australia call it chicken parma, some call it chicken parmi, others call it a chicken parmigiana. Mm. Just goes to show how cultured you are, I suppose. Yeah, well, anything for a bunch Because everybody's of perception of culture is, probably depends on where they live in the, in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So it's well, kind of a circular the, argument. <laughs> normally the closest I get to culture is when I open a tub of yogurt. Oh, God. Insert, <laughs> in, insert laugh track here. And rib shot. Anyway, folks, uh, you too can uh, drop us a line and we'd certainly love to hear from you. Contact at plainecrazydownunder.com. Well, Grant, I suppose we uh, ought to pack our bags and uh, get ready for that uh, Virgin Australia flight up there to the Gold Coast. Uh, really looking forward to getting up there for the Pacific Air Show. Folks, we certainly hope to see you up there as well. And, uh, you know, send us some photos and uh, certainly let us know your impressions. Uh, Grant, uh, we uh, are intending to catch up with Kevin again uh, in the weeks after the show and hopefully uh, he'll be able to give us some time just to let us know, um, you know, how we thought it all went. Yeah, he said we can catch up with him during the show, but no recording at the time. He'll be a little busy. <laughs> He'll be a little uh, stressed, I also, imagine, yes. <laughs> well, there's also the VIP gig on the Saturday night. But, you know, I think we'll be leaving our recorders at home for that one. Folks, uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, on the program. We certainly hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Steve Fisher and Grant McCarran wishing you very safe flying, folks, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Find show notes for this episode, along with our contact details and a full back catalogue of shows, at plaincrazydownunder.com. Drop us a line anytime with feedback, story suggestions or advertising inquiries. We'd love to hear from you. Plain Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies media production.
Southern Skies Media.